Hello and you're very welcome to the IFF TV podcast. Now today's guest is Republic of Ireland International and Brighton Hove Albion striker Aaron Connolly. Aaron was kind enough to give up his time during this coronavirus pandemic and speak about his career to date from his early days growing up in Galway to moving over to Brighton and playing for the Republic of Ireland national team. Check it out, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe as well and share it with your friends if you enjoy it. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to Irish Football Fan TV. Delighted to be joined by Brighton and Hove, Albion Striker and Republic of Ireland International, Aaron Connolly. Firstly, Aaron, thanks so much for giving up your time. That's all right, no worries. How are you coping in uh, this, I suppose, pandemic? Um, I've seen you had a, a, a brace on your ankle and stuff like that. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, just, uh, just got a little bit of surgery about three, four weeks ago just to just to like um, repair a couple of ligaments that were that were out of place after a training ground like injury, but all good now. Just trying to get on the mend and just uh, get fit again. Uh, on the road back then, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, soon enough, hopefully. A couple more weeks, just a bit more stuff with the physio on that and, and hopefully be back fit, yeah. Yeah, I suppose, uh, in a way, this break probably couldn't have come at a better time. I know it's a, it's a worldwide pandemic in that sense, but I just mean in terms of your football, boys, um, it's kind of been a little bit beneficial in some ways if you have to take some positives from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a weird time for everyone, I think, just the whole situation. I don't think anyone can get used to it or prepare for something like this. So, yeah, I mean, the injuries come at, come at a good time considering we're not playing football matches, but I think I've said before, I'd much rather be sitting in the stands watching the boys and alongside 30, 40,000 finish the season off, everyone's healthy and all that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, that's the way it is now. And um, it looks like maybe I might be back for the start of the restart of the season, whatever that is. So, I mean, it has it's coming at an all right time. Yeah, and internationally as well, because of the playoffs and stuff like that, they're obviously going to be pushed off uh, to a time where you won't be injured. So, in that sense, sorry. Um, in a way, that's a little bit of a positive. But you say, we can't wait to get the football back. And since we have you here, we're going to talk to you about your footballing career. Um, growing up in Galway, what was that like? Uh, when did you, I suppose, when was the moment when you realised you loved football? Um, moment I realised, from what I can remember, four or five, when I first started playing from a local club, um, I think everyone probably says, "Oh, when I was when I was this age, that age," but it definitely was. Just fell in love with it. Just loved playing football. Loved being with my mates, and even at home, first thing I'd do after school is before I even take my uniform off, my my mum would go crazy. I would go straight into the garden, hit the ball against the shed a couple of times with my brothers, or something like that, because we'd always used to break the goals that mum or dad used to buy. So, yeah, it's been a young age, and I've I've loved it for ten, fifteen years. Uh, was it like a was it a World Cup or, or anything like that, or was it just playing out in the streets or, or watching an Ireland game or or any football game? What was there any particular moment that stands out in your in your mind? Um, one moment that stands out in my mind is Henri's goal against Real Madrid in two thousand and six. I think it was. I don't know. For Arsenal, it was just about that whole. Yeah, for Arsenal, um, Henri's someone that like literally. Thierry Henry walked in right now. I wouldn't know what to do. That's uh, he's my favorite player. And that that moment, like when he when he scored that goal, I think that made me like football even more and like Arsenal even more and Thierry Henry even more. But obviously, a couple of years later, he uh, he changed that around a little bit. I was gonna wait for you to say that. Yeah, Michael Obafemi. I did a video with him, and he said the same thing that uh, Henry was his idol growing up as well. I think I remember that goal. It was in the Champions League, wasn't it? Uh, you, went, you went by a fair few players yeah. and, and stuck it in the far corner. Yeah, that was the one, yeah. Mm. I remember it well. But um, I suppose from that point, taught me through your kind of early days, your first football club and, and getting playing, scored, I suppose. Um, so my first football club was Orn Moore, like a, a local team and my local village in Ireland and played with them for, I'd say, well, from about four or five till about 11, 12. And then I moved on to Murview. Um, obviously, I think Murview's a, a lot better known in, 
in Galway or in Ireland. So uh, I kind of made that step with the hope that I would be able to push on further in football. Um, with the likes of like Ryan Manning and Greg Cunningham coming out of Murview, playing for us, um, going across the water. That's something I wanted to do. And Ryan played with my older brother, uh, played with my older brother for a couple of years. So I've, I've seen Ryan like play all the way up with Murview. So that made me want to want to move there and and push on. So that's how it came about. And then obviously from then on, it, it once I moved to Murview, that's when I started taking football like 100%. It was, I was going to give everything to it. And what age were you at uh, Murview, Aaron? Uh, when so you first went there, sorry. 12 when I first, I think I was 12 when I first went there, 11, 12. Um, and we got to the All-Ireland final, I think, two years after that. I think that was kind of the reason why I I did move to Murview because I wanted to play in them sort of like finals and competitions and get far in them and stuff like that. And obviously give myself the chance to like be in front of scouts or international scouts or managers. And yeah, thankfully I, I did eventually move on to there because it was, it was a decision whether I could, if I'm good enough, I'll make it, I'll be spotted at my old club. But then I thought I need to give myself a bit of a better chance. So that's why I did go there. Yeah, well, as you say, Owenmore, we're, we're a fairly uh, local club. Really. I think uh, Murrowview are a bit more uh, known around the country, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, Owenmore were brilliant to me and brilliant. Like, I loved playing for them and they they were the reason I started football because it was such a close club to my home and uh, it was two, two minute drive, I'd say. And I'd be there playing with my mates and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was... Obviously, I I had spoken for a couple of years about moving on to Murview, but uh, when I did, I think it was the right thing to do. Okay, brilliant. Um, from from there, then, when when was you start getting opportunities? Was it always just Brighton, or did you have other clubs interested? You spoke about scouts there. Um, were there scouts coming to your games watching you? Yeah, there'd be scouts once I started getting the international setup more so because. Uh, obviously, in Galway, you don't get as many scouts as, for example, if you would if you were playing for Belvedere or St Joseph's, where there's scouts there, there every week. So I think it was you had to play against the St Joseph's or the Belvedere's in the cup competitions to um, to probably express yourself a bit more and to be seen a bit more doing t- against teams like that. So once I did get into the international setup, it was I remember it was uh, the international cup during Mayo in Castlebar. That, that tournament so it would have been that one where Brighton looked at me and I, I went to Brighton that it was, it was not it wasn't my first club that I went to on trial I went to Villa after the Kennedy Cup uh, went to them a different couple of different clubs but once I went to Brighton liked the place liked what I've seen and then I just yeah I just signed uh, after a couple of months seen a few other clubs obviously after after Brighton but um, no, I knew kind of when I went to Brighton that it was it was going to be a good club for me. Um, there seems to be a real good uh, buzz around Brighton. There's a lot of Irish there. Um, is, uh, correct? Is there some director who who is Irish and he's bringing people over? I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, John Morland. He was he was. Uh, I think I can't remember exactly what he was in the FBI, but he was definitely. Uh, I think he might have been head of something in the FAI and. He uh, he moved on to Brighton, obviously, and uh, he got a couple of us over. Um, I think that's where most of the Irish links do come from, uh, from John. So, uh, yeah, once I went over, I met John, uh, spoke to me about what the club's like and what, what they expected from me and stuff like that. And I knew, I kind of knew straight away that it was, uh, they definitely, the way they were talking, that they, they wanted me. And it wasn't just one person or two people. It was, it was uh, quite a few of them that wanted me to come. So I felt kind of welcome straight away. Yeah, well, that's good though, because you often hear footballers saying, like, I remember I did a video with John Egan last week saying, you know, a lot of clubs tell you stuff that you want to hear, so you'll obviously go there, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think, obviously, some clubs do say that, and uh, I did. Sometimes you might think in the back of your head, oh, Brighton just saying that are they another one of the clubs that are saying that to get you in? Um, but once I actually got in and signed the scholarship and signed my first contract, the nothing changed. Just because they got me, nothing changed. They, they were still the same as when they wanted me to come there. 
Uh, it was just about me putting in the effort now. They put in the effort to get me there, so it was about me putting in the effort to stay there. Yeah, well, when you when you were over there, did you know the likes of Jason Malumbi, Dan Mandreo, and and these lads were already there? I know Shane Duffy, I think, would have been already there when you were there. But um, did the lads go over with you? Were they already there, or what was the story there? Uh, so I'd done one trip international with uh, Jason, with the year above with Jason Yates in '99, uh, a couple of weeks before that. Uh, so Jason, I kind of knew Jason. Um, Dan Andrew, I didn't know him at all. He didn't like me for the first two, three months, and he's, he he could tell you that himself. Um, <laughs> Tom Burns was there as well at the time. Um, who else was there? Rian, Rian O'Sullivan. Uh, and then obviously with the 23s, it was Desi Hutchinson, who once I did get into 23s, I probably touched on that later on. Desi was brilliant with me. Um, I think Duff's, Duff's was signed that same summer that I signed. I think he came from Blackburn later on in the summer. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of Irish there at the time. Uh, Chris Hutton would have been managing then if Shane was there. Yeah, Chris Hutton was there. I think that was his start of his second season in charge. I think that would have been the start of the second season. But, um, yeah, I think that that was a factor as well and why I did come because he's an Irish, Irish manager and I was hoping that the Irish in me would... Uh, would be a benefit for myself if I was to get into the first team. But, uh, obviously, it worked out different ways, and that wasn't the case for for uh, however long. So yeah, yeah. Well, it, it seemed to be that he it, you were liked by him. Did he give you your debut? Yeah, he gave me my debut against Barnet in the F, in the EFL Cup. Uh, same one that he gave Jason his debut. I think Jason started. I came on. I think last ten fifteen minutes. Uh, I think that's when Jason kind of made himself known even more to the gaffer in that game. He was, I think, he got man the match. Everyone was talking about him, and I think he was in and out, in and out of squads with the first team from then on. But I didn't get much of a chance uh, in that game to to um, make an impression, which is no fault of the gaffers or anyone else's. I think he he wanted to win the game, and um, I was sixteen, seventeen at the time, so um, obviously it was a I was delighted with 10 minutes would have been delighted with 10 seconds I think yeah well I I wanted to kind of touch on you uh, before I went into the under 23 season where you got player of the year just Shane Duffy and his influence on you and I suppose Jason and the other lads that were there uh, there's a good few years now um, and obviously there was Dan's back at uh, Bowes now I'm sure he was Seamus looking after him with you as well uh, what was it like having him there? I, I see pictures of you. It's like tall and small. Um, I think it might have been after the Georgia game. But he seems to really uh, take a liking to you and, you know, seems to be always there with you. Yeah, Shane's uh, he's brilliant with me, to be fair. I've uh, come into the change room this year and I sit beside Shane in the change room. And, yeah, it's, I don't know. He's, he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, he's looked after me a lot. Um I, he's looked after me a lot than, than I'd expect. Like I know he's Irish and stuff, but he, he does look after me. He's always, always trying to get me to do the right things and stuff like that. And um, obviously he helped Dano. We we were all like he helped Dano a lot when he was there. He likes Jason. Um, I think it's it's a fact. Like not even that I'm just Irish. He he looks after any anyone that'll come in. If a if I was English or if I was Brazilian or Scottish, I think he'd look after everyone the same. So, um, no, he's, he's a good guy and he's he's looked after me a lot since I've come in. Yeah, well, talk talk to me a little bit about your your bromance with uh, with Jason and Dan. You you seem very quite uh, close on social media. I imagine when you're together with the Ireland setup, whether it's under twenty ones or whatever, the buzz is quite good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, them, them two, um, they lived together when when I first came over and uh, when I did, when me and Dano started getting along, and I think Jason was with the 23s and stuff like that at the time, so me and Dano were in the 18s changing room, so we got, got to know each other, <laughs> keep laughing, just thinking back on some of the things them two and, uh, that we were all doing when we were in the club together. He's, he's, Dano was the funniest player, person you'll ever meet. And <laughs> just some of the stuff he says to Jason and just have you in bits for days. 
he just <laughs> slags Jason off so much. It have you in bits for days, and um, nah, the two of them, the they were my best friends when I was over there, and Jason still is, uh, and obviously Warren Ahura has come into that as well. So um, no, nah, the them them three have definitely made Brighton a, a better experience and a better place to be. Yeah, well, I'm not going to ask for any stories, just while you're laughing there. They don't seem too suitable for the airwaves, do they? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to say any stories, I don't think. No bother. Well, we have one, I think, at the end, and we'll come back to that one. But um, talk to me about your under-23 uh, season, where you won under-23 uh, player of the season. Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy season, to be honest. Um, I think I'd, the season before, I'd gone on a three, four months where I was... I hadn't scored and then I got injured so and then when I came back scored a couple of goals and obviously the next season I was thinking am I going to be put out on loan to a lower league squad or a lower league side to try and to try and show that I can still do what I, what I was doing when I first came into the 23s when I was scoring goals and obviously I was doubting myself a lot but I just trained hard during the summer I was in the gym quite a lot during the summer trying to just just get physical like up to the, the strength of most of the other boys and yeah, the first six months was crazy. I think I got 17 goals or something in six months. And then obviously I tore the hamstring. But no, it was, it was a crazy season and it's definitely helped me um, get to where I, am, uh, where I am now. Yeah, well, I spoke to you after the Armenia game. Um, I think you were playing on the left side that night. You set up the goal for Troy, I believe. Um, but f- from that note... From that chat I had with you, you you just kept mentioning the word hunger. You're hungry for more. You're hungry for more, and you went on from there to uh, to make your debut then for Spurs, and obviously Ireland after that. But we'll come to that. But just is that something you always grew up with? Uh, you know that hunger to drive you on for more. Yeah, that's always been. I think if you spoke to any of my coaches before, they'd say the same. I've always just been hungry to try and to try and be a professional footballer and. I thought once I once I have got that chance to be one, I thought I'm not going to lose that because that's what's got me to the under 18 squad at Brighton. So I always wanted to keep that hunger and and to keep going. And now that I'm, I've got into the first team, I don't want that to stop either. I want I want more like goals. I want more um, achievements, records, stuff like that. I want to I want to do things that like people were saying about Robbie Keane a couple of years ago and stuff like that. I want to be eventually. If people look back at my career, I want to be people to talk about me like as one of the one of the better Irish players, or to be close to the top scorer for Ireland, or something like that. Um, yeah, I've definitely always been like quite a hungry player, and I don't think that's gonna come out of my game no matter what. Well, I, I will touch on Ireland later on and working with Robbie and stuff like that. But I think that would be music to a lot of Irish fans ears that are that will be watching this. Um, so after the twenty three season, or was it towards the end of it? I can't really remember now. But you did what you did go on loan to Luton in their year where they got promoted. Yeah, I went to uh, went to Luton. Um, I'd signed a contract with Brighton on deadline day, a new contract, and went signed one for Luton later on that evening. Um, but I I'd signed it just after a hamstring injury, and then had the scan after and. It, the scan said I tore the hamstring, so that was three months of that Luton, that Luton uh, loan spell ended already. So uh, I went there eventually, and I think it was middle of April. Um, I think I played twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. Um, I think the experience on the pitch wasn't what I wanted it to be, but the experience I got from the whole thing, being a part of a promotion, chasing side, and just seeing the levels that they were at every day for a League One team, which obviously people don't know. I didn't know what League One was like at the time. People think, oh, Premier League's the one, that's it, that's the only league. But I can tell you, League One's tough. Um, I came on against Charlton for my debut there, my professional debut like for Luton. And it, it was tough, I'll tell you that. It was tough. I thought, I'd, if someone said to me a couple of months later, you'd be scoring two against Spurs, I would have no chance. Because I just felt like a, I felt like a boy, just amongst a load of men on that pitch, like once I'd gone on to it. But, um, I think the experience I took from being around seasoned pros and players who wanted to get promoted and they had to win games because obviously, say, the the money in the Premier League or the money in Lyon, for example, um, 
they 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 need to win games. They need to win games to get this and that, and they they want to go up. And yeah, it was it was it wasn't obviously people look back and say that Aaron Connolly went to Luton didn't do anything, but the experience it took from it was was valuable. I don't. Well, I've never heard uh, anybody say that. I think a lot of people say when he went there, he was injured type of thing. I don't think anyone really look at it or would say it in derogatory in terms of your your loan spell. In my opinion. Um, but at the, were you, you, did you come back then before the celebrations or were you involved in the celebrations or anything like that? And you would have been playing with James Collins, who obviously was your teammate then at Ireland then. Yeah, um, uh, I'd say I didn't really get involved in the celebrations because I felt like I didn't have a place to be involved because they had gone on a 28 game unbeaten run. And once I came, my first game, the, the run ended. They lost 3 1 to Charlton in my first game. Um, I was thinking, oh my God, what have I got myself into here? And then I think they we kind of limped over the line near the end because they'd gone on such a good run. And I think um, we relied on another result to, to win. Um, so I was thinking at the time, I think, oh, bloody hell, what have I got myself into here? Like, um, but no, it was, it was, who was it? That was the idea. Yeah, James Collins was there. Um, Obviously, he's. I met him then a couple of months later with the Ireland team. Started up front with him against Switzerland, but um, I don't think I, I don't think I played with him when I was at Luton. I think um, he had come off for me on the two games that I had come on. So uh, that was my first. Time that happened against Georgia as well. Good. Yeah, George. Uh, was it George as well? Yeah. Was it Colin that I, came I, off in that game? Wasn't it? He came. I think he came off towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might have been actually. Yeah, so um, yeah, I mean the first, I think the first week I didn't help myself. We were doing a finishing drill, and um, I what was it? Someone crossed it in from the right, and I'd finished the ball, and the the attack was starting from the right. So I've gone to zing the ball back out to the right to so they could start the drill again. And Callow had his back to me, and the ball's bounced off his head, the back of his head. And it's my first couple of days there, and he's he's the main man at Luton. And he I, he turned around. I've never seen anger like that. Like he was he was feeling about the ball hitting the back of his head, and I didn't put my hand up. So I'm sorry, that was me. So he's obviously found out a couple a couple crosses later. It was me, and he's he's let me know about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the best start. And obviously from then on, I was a bit like Jesus, what have I just done there? But no, he's he's a nice guy. And once once I got to know him with the Ireland uh, squad a bit more, uh, realised how how good of a guy he is. Yeah, well, I suppose with, with anything in life, once if you kind of don't know someone, then they're gonna maybe react like that. But at least, at least, just you're so cool now. That's the main thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, onto the under twenty ones and the two long tournament then, which seems to be a great tool for development for a lot of the players. Stephen Kenny always, always brings this up: is the fact that so many players were not playing for a first team. Uh, before that tournament, and now so many are playing for their first team and involved with clubs now. So, in terms of development, how good is it as a tournament, and how much did you enjoy it with Ireland? Um, I enjoy. I think everyone enjoyed it. I think that all the boys would say the same. I know it was three weeks. We were all together, and I think people got on each other's nerves and stuff like that. But I can definitely say it helped me going into that preseason. It helped, made me fitter because obviously I hadn't played for six months properly. Um. Obviously, Stephen playing me uh, in the game, starting me, trust me to start. Um, uh, it was it was a really good tournament. I think you you seen kind of snippets of what was to come for most of the boys in that in that squad for that next season. When obviously we've got uh, Conor Masterson, Daryl Shea, who else? Quivine, uh, Malumbi, obviously, and then Adam uh, was up top. I think. Um, yeah. Who else was in that squad? Zach. There's some of the players in that squad. Zach, Lee. Um, it was honestly that you could keep going on about that team. It was, it was Jason Knight as well. Connor Ronan. Yeah, Jason Knight as well. Connor Ronan. There's a lot. Honestly, the amount of players, and I think Stephen's right to bring it up how many players have got into first team because it's a lot. Since that tournament, a lot of players have gone on to play in the first team. And I think the exposure that we got from that tournament helped and fitness going into that next season and obviously uh, training and playing under Stephen and Keith and Jim um, helps everyone I think it helped everyone 100% and um, 
yeah, it was just overall, it was a really good tournament. And if I had the chance to do it again, I would. But um, hopefully, I'll be hopefully um, be in the in the senior squad or something like that. So. Yeah, did did you from the now just kinda this is just me asking off the cuff here, but um did you foresee yourself from the Toulon tournament to playing in the in the first team in that short span of time? Uh what do you mean, like going from the twenty ones to the first team in that little little space? Yeah, time? that window. Because even when yeah. I spoke to you after the Armenia game, it wasn't really you know, you weren't expecting you to jump straight up into the, the first team straight away. No, I see. I definitely wouldn't have done that. That tournament for me was probably because I was fifty-fifty whether it was a good idea to actually to go and play so many games in such a straight, like short space of time. Considering I hadn't played properly for six months, to see would I be all right to go into the next season? Would I, that hamstring go again next season? Because I've gone straight back into it. So, um, I obviously I got picked, so I was never going to say no. Whether I my hamstring was hanging off or not, I was going to go to that tournament. So, um. And I'm glad I did because it just like just the whole thing was brilliant. But I definitely no, I couldn't see myself going from there to to playing for the first team in in however long it was. I think it was five five six months. I think probably in and around time. that, I would say yeah. definitely. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have even seen myself going from there even into the Brighton first team squad for a preseason, if I'm being honest. So uh, no, to to go from there to the Ireland first team in in that space of time was definitely a, a surprise, but. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll we'll we'll touch more on on your Irish uh, at the start of your Irish career and Stephen and, and maybe a little bit about Keith Andrews in a little bit. But going back into pre-season, then Graham Potter is the manager. Chris Hewton unfortunately has been got. Uh, he he lost his job at that point. Graham Potter comes in. What was he like to to get the ball rolling? Did you know him beforehand or anything like that? Uh, I knew the work he'd done at Ostersons because obviously they beat. Because obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, so they'd beat Arsenal, I think, um, in the Europa League at Arsenal's ground at the Emirates. Um, so obviously I, I'd, I'd knew of him. I think most most people had because of the work he'd done at Ospersons. And um, then he'd gone to Swansea. And yeah, when he came to us, I was thinking he's got a reputation for, for bringing young players through. And um, I was hoping I was going to be one of them players. And I'd done everything I could over that little space of time in between Toulon and getting back to to Brighton to make sure that I would be one of them players and um, he, he asked me in for a meeting when I came back from my holidays in the summer and he just spoke to me and I just said to him I don't want to go out on loan I want to I want to play here I want to play in the first team here um, and obviously he said to me I was like, well if that's what you want I'll give you that chance to, to show us that you can play for the first team here and I always remember he, he said to me like he looked at me and he just goes do you think you're ready to play in the Premier League and I made sure I did everything. I didn't blink. I just looked at him straight, and I was like, "I, I know I could play in the Premier League." I made sure he knew that I wanted to play there. So um, that was that was something I'd always I'd always said to myself before I'd met him that I'm going to tell him I, I want to play for him in the Premier League. And thankfully, he has given me that chance, and uh, I'll be grateful to him for a long time for that. Would you say that that was a real turning point uh, of your career? Which meeting the gaffer? Just saying that too. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't say no. Probably not. But I think he kind of could tell that I wanted it and I wanted to play for him, and um, I was going to do everything I could to to play for him for this team. So I think the chance when he gave me that chance, I was definitely I wasn't going to let it slip. When we went to Austria in preseason, I'd done everything I could. Uh, I was eating right. I was doing everything right to to make sure that he didn't turn around to me after it and say, right, well. We think you should go out on loan. We think a loan would benefit you more. Um, and when the lo- when the transfer window shut and I was still there and I was in the changing room, I I just said I'm not I'm not letting you slip. I don't want I don't want to not be in this changing room and playing playing for this team. You seem to have a really great mentality, so that's a, a huge credit to you. And I, I suppose your your parents in that aspect, I'm sure you get it from them. Yeah. Yeah, I would my parents parents are the ones that try and keep me my feet in the ground and especially after everything that's gone on so far, they're they're a big help. Brilliant. Um so kind of moving on with Brighton and you know, the the EFL Cup, you score against Bristol. When did things start your your I suppose your first team uh getting a run in the team, when did that start to develop? 
Was that after the Armenia game or before? Um, I think Armenia. I think I'd made my. Did I, did I make my debut before Armenia? I made my debut against Man City. I think before the Armenia game, the day before we we met up for that for that week. Oh, as a um, sub, yeah. So that would have been the first game as well. The Bristol one would have been the week before that, I think. Uh, would have been, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, so, um, yeah, once I obviously scored against Bristol and I got got that chance and I'd, I'd scored and then obviously made my debut going into the, the week with Ireland. I think I thought I could have done, could have done anything really. I was on such a high um, after that week. And... Um, I didn't when I played against Armenia. I didn't think that I'd go back and I'd I'd have started so soon. Really, like I think it was five or six games in. I think it might have been two two or three games after the Armenia game that I got my start. And I don't think if if someone said to me, well, "What do you think this game's going to go like today?" I wouldn't have said I'd score two goals or or anything like that. So it, it was it was a crazy crazy couple of days. That, well, as I said to you, after the Armenia game, you spoke to me about you were hungry for more, you are hungry for more. But you seemed, for me talking to you, you seemed hell-bent on getting in that first team and making the impression. And when the opportunity came, you took it with both hands, or both goals, if you rather. What was that like, firstly, to start, when you knew you were going to start? Secondly, the celebrations in, in front of the Bright fans. What was, that, what was all that day like, from your point of view? So the day um, I can remember my dad thinking he was starting like kept asking me are you playing because I told him the, the build up that week I was in the starting team for training and stuff like that so my dad had been been texting me thinking do you think I should come over do you think I should come over I was thinking oh, I don't want you coming over if, if I think I'm starting and then turns around tomorrow and I'm not starting so he goes Joe I'm gonna I'm gonna come over so he came over on the Saturday morning an early flight I think because uh, it was a half 12 kickoff and he came over thankfully he did he was there uh, mum was at home watching on the TV and um, yeah I don't know the the whole thing is uh, just such a blur like um, obviously scoring the first goal I think everyone could, I, I still thought it was going to be ruled off of VAR for some reason I just thought I've scored now there's surely there's something wrong with this like VAR is going to come in and take it away or something but then, um, obviously, went over, celebrated. Once we got back, I was, I was still thinking the whole time, even after the celebration, the ball was on the spot. I was thinking, looking up at the boards, thinking, is there, is there a check there? Is there anything? And then, um, obviously, that one was given, so I was buzzing. And then the second one, uh, I think Donkey played the ball over the top. And I just thought, listen, I'll, I'll have a run at him. Because I'd, I think just beforehand, I'd had a run at him and tried to go down the line. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go inside here. I'm gonna try and try and have a goal, see if he thinks I'm gonna do the same thing again. So I did and yeah, just I don't know, when I when I hit it I didn't I thought I'd mishit it a little bit. I looked up and it was gone in the corner and I think everyone could tell from my celebration I was a bit like, oh, what do I do here now? I, I wasn't expecting one, never mind two, so uh, yeah, I just gave it arms out in front of the fans, like just yeah, it was a crazy, crazy game. It was unbelievable. You 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 spoke at the start there about Thierry Henry. Now I don't want to speak too nicely about Thierry Henry. Obviously, what he's done to us, but the goal was very reminiscent yeah. of an Henry curl and finish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. He probably would have done something else with that. He probably would have put put the defender on the floor or something, and then stuck it in or something. He would have done something ten times better than what I'd done. I bet. But um, no, I mean. If, if any goal I scored throughout my career and someone says it's like a Thierry Henry goal, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Well, off the back of that, you got yeah, a call a call up from Mick. So what was that like? Did he call you that night or was it the next day or, or what went on there? So basically, um, that night I was, at, uh, I was at my girlfriend's house and just just there, like just chilling, like just looking through Instagram or Twitter like you do after a game. And... Um, I got a text off from the boys, Adam Webster, because um, he, he worked with Mick McCarthy at Ipswich. And he just texted me saying, oh, Mick McCarthy's looking for your number. And I was thinking, I, I, I could probably get the message over. I sent laughing faces back to him and obviously some words I can't use in the show. Um, and then literally five minutes later, 
uh, got a call and I was thinking it's a bit convenient like Webby's texting me and then five <laughs> minutes later I'm getting a call I think surely someone's on the wind up here like trying to wind me up um, but then I was, I was on the phone I was like trying to listen proper hard like is that is that his voice is that his voice once I realised it was I was I looked at my I looked at my girlfriend I started tapping I was like this is like the Ireland manager like on the phone and um, then I came off it and I just went downstairs told everyone downstairs there were there was a couple of people down here and, and I was like just packing just packed my bags was ready to go to the airport in the morning to get on that flight to, to meet up with the team yeah well like at that time, I'm not sure if you were aware, you probably are now, but like it was Connolly mania. Like if, if you weren't going to be yeah. putting that crowd uh, in that squad, I think that the country were going to riot. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody was really wanted you in there. And then the fact that you were in there, um, was so good. Was Shane involved with you in that sense? Did he, did he travel with you and stuff like that? Shane Duffy. No, because Shane had um, Shane had a calf injury, I think, and he was it was fifty fifty whether he travelled. Oh, he was touch and but, go, um, wasn't he? Yeah, he was touch and go. So he texted me saying, "Well done." He said, "I might be with you during the week." So obviously, I'd gone through a couple of days and was in my room. I was obviously a bit like a bit starstruck when I walked in, seeing James Coleman and and players like that, and obviously James McLean, who I've seen score goals against Wales and players playing in Euros and stuff like that. So I've walked. In, I've been in my room for a couple of days and next thing I know the, the door comes open and <laughs> I look in the mirror and Duff's is just there and I'd never been so glad to see him in my life just just for someone there that I'd know and that I talk, could talk to and stuff like that and um, yeah that, that helped a lot and he did help me a lot that week and I think from the from the pictures he's seen during the week and throughout the week in training I was always I don't think I left the side he probably probably I can tell all the boys oh, this fellow won't this fellow won't leave me alone or something. But um, <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't leave his side throughout the week because I didn't, I didn't know what to say. But once I got on the bus and stuff like that, Seamus put his arms straight around me. He just said to me, come here, sit down beside me. And I think, oh my God, my heart was going there, like speaking to him and that. Because I was 19, I'm 19, like at the time, to play like Seamus Cole and the career he's had and stuff. And he's saying, come on, sit beside me. And he just chatted to me the whole way to training and, it's just stuff like that that, that settles you in and, and makes you feel at home and makes you feel like you can go out to training and, and just perform how you want to. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually a massive Everton fan, so Seamus is actually my idol because he captains Everton, yeah. he captains Ireland. He, is just, mm. he just seems like the nicest man in the world. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is, well, um, I think that, that summed it up really when he, when he pulled me over and just said, come on, sit, sit down beside me and have a chat with me. For the fifteen twenty minutes the bus journey took to train. Yeah, well, I think that, and I think that's something that people don't see as well. Is obviously Seamus is a, is a bit private, like, but he just seems to be such a great leader on and off the pitch as well, and Shane as well, and Shane Duffy too. Yeah, yeah, they both are. Seamus is a leader on and off the pitch, and as much stick as Duff gets sometimes, um, he is as well. He. Uh, even when he's not playing and when he wasn't playing for Brighton and stuff like that, he was, he was always the first one you'd hear wishing the boys well when he goes out and he'd always be talking even when he was on the bench and stuff like that. So, um, no, they're both, are, they're both real leaders and obviously whichever one, uh, if Seamus is captain for how many more years or if Duff's is captain eventually, and I think uh, they're, both, they're both real leaders, yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent, and and it's it's obviously good that they both took a liking to you. So that always helps as well. Yeah. What was um was Robbie Keane um working with you much over that week? I I was at uh, the training sessions and stuff and the press conferences and stuff like that, and I could see him chatting with you and stuff like that. It must have been really good to have someone like him. I mean, he's probably the best player. Well, in my modern terms, I think he's probably the best player I've seen playing for Ireland, other than maybe Roy Keane. Yeah, it was nuts. Um... Robbie Keane, like just walking in, because the minute I walked in, it was I'd walked in quite late, I think, because um my flight was booked and I'd walked into the thing and they were, we were all meeting up that day and walked in with the um what's the word for the I'm not the smartest of words but one of the the staff and they directed me down to where the the managers and stuff were and walked in and they all looked at me and I, I had a hat like this on and before I'd walked in TC had gone. He'd gone like that, get that off, get that off before the gaffer seen me. 
was like that whipped it off straight away and walked in and seen them all and um yeah it was mad when Robbie Keane was there and even Mick McCarthy who I'd met um I think five years five years ago when I was on Charlie Ipswich um I'd met him but uh, he would he definitely wouldn't have remembered me from from then but uh yeah it was, it was crazy meeting Robbie Keane he, he was honestly some of the things he does in training are, are nuts like some of the stuff he does I I, I won't be able to do that and in my 20-year career or whatever it is. So for him to be doing it after, it just shows how good he actually probably was and still is as a player. Did Did he speak to you specifically about kind of coming in? Because obviously Mick actually gave him his debut, didn't he? Um, he probably was a little bit younger than you, but he still gave him his debut and he was probably brought in similar enough to you after making an impression. Yeah, he, um, he did speak to me before the games. He was just like, just go out and enjoy it. Just, just enjoy it and... Uh, before my game against before the game against Switzerland when I was starting, he was speaking to me the whole time in the changing room, just just telling me how, how to enjoy it and and just just soak in the moment and stuff. And I remember there was a bit in the in the elevator before the before we went down to the bus to get to the bus to the game. He goes, well, "If you score one tonight, it's still sixty-seven to go." I think he said because I think he's got sixty-eight to me for Ireland. Yeah, sixty, isn't it? Yeah. So he goes, uh, "Yeah, that's that's if you get one tonight, it's still sixty-seven to go." So um, I know that's that's probably think everyone think oh a bit of pressure on them, but it's just a laugh and I was thinking well I can just go out and enjoy myself now can't I if, if they're smiling and joking around like that before again. Well, I, I suppose that made you feel uh, feel comfortable at home and you had Shane Duffy and you had Seamus Coleman. I mean three really big pres. Uh, how was it? I was going to say three people with a really big presence. So you spoke about there about you know uh, Robbie saying you go in relax yourself and stuff like that. The Georgia game, um, there was a bit of pressure on us, but you coming off the bench, I think a lot of people, as I spoke about Connolly Mania uh, in Ireland at the time, I'm sure it was a bit like that in Tbilisi as well with the Irish fans. But uh, how did you take that all in, and what was it like making your Ireland debut? Stuff of dreams, really. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, that whole week, I was. I think every player does probably do it, and. Some of them probably won't admit it, but they do look at their name on, on stuff like social media and that to see what's being said. And obviously after that, I was seeing play Connolly, do this, do that. And I was thinking, oh, do I need that? Do I need that pressure? Or, but then I was thinking that that comes with it and I have to be able to deal with it. And um, once I once I'd made my debut against Georgia, I was the, I was feeling the most. I had two chances and the one where I was running through at the end, I keep thinking in my head, why haven't I chopped that back on my right foot? I've I've just panicked and just just hit it, and it's bobbled up at the time. And I I keep thinking back, what if I chop that ball inside? And um, it was obviously good. And then after the game, I just was thinking, oh, I don't want to be doing these interviews because I should have scored. And then obviously, um, was getting a bit of bit of like uh, praise and stuff from the media and that, and seeing that maybe I should start against Switzerland and. There was a there was a bit where my parents and my girlfriend had had come over for the Switzerland game, and um, we were all sitting downstairs and we were having a chat and that. And obviously Mick McCarthy came over, um, said to my parents like sat down, chat to my parents for five ten minutes. Um, and when he was leaving, he said, oh, um, well you'll definitely enjoy tomorrow night." So I kind of had a feeling then that I was going to start in the, the second game once he said that. And uh, even my mum and dad were just like, "You don't get many managers." Especially who have done what uh, Mick McCarthy's done in the game, coming over to you saying stuff like that, and just genuinely just sat down, wanted to have a chat with my parents and stuff. Um, so that was that was a nice moment and stuff like that. And once he said that, I switched on in my head that I'm going to start tomorrow, so I need to I need to be prepared for it. Yeah, Mick Mick's a great man. I I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, even when he you know I know he's he, he's gone now, but I sent him a text last week just to. You know, thank him for his time because, as I said, I don't think he really got as much praise as he probably should have. I felt as though he got the fans back on side. There was a bit of period towards the end of Martin O'Neill's reign, and when Mick came in, it kind of got the fans back on side uh, with the team again. But even that, like, he even texted me back just to say, you know, thanks for your support and stuff like that. He just comes across as a really great man. Yeah, he does. Even after even after our trip, he texted me saying, "Well done this week. Made a really good impression." And uh was even texting me for a couple couple months after saying, Are oh, you starting this week? I might get TCD to go down and watch you and are you starting this week? Good luck tomorrow, stuff like that. He was keeping in touch and stuff. So um 
yeah, he's he's a he was a really good guy. I don't think he got enough credit for how how good of a job he did actually do, and uh, the person he is. Yeah, because as I say, he's a gentleman. But see that game against Switzerland. Um, I spoke to Shane Duffy after the Denmark game, which was the last game. But he did speak about how good Switzerland are. I don't think a lot of people realise it. Now you came on that game, but you were you were moved out of position a couple of times, and it seemed to be from watching you, you just looked visibly frustrated because um, you couldn't get into the game. Yeah, I think it was more frustration. I wanted to do something. I wanted. To make mm. something happen, and it was just, it just didn't seem to be happening for me. I just, um, whether I was up front or on the wings or whatever, it just, it just, I didn't really get much of the ball, or, and myself, when I did get the ball, didn't do enough with it. Um, and I think it was more frustrating at myself that I just, I didn't have the impact I wanted to have on the game on my, my first start and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it probably did come across so I was frustrated. And I looked back at it myself and I was thinking, Jesus, why, why have I done that? What like if I could do that sixty five minutes I had again I'd do it a lot differently than than what I done because I I will say my my attitude in that game wasn't great like just looking back on it myself my arms were up and I think it was more frustrated and that not being able to do anything to help every help the team or to to make something happen for the team and I think that's probably where most of the reactions came from and probably for for people looking on probably thinking this this fellow's got an attitude problem or something like that. I well uh, well I can only speak for myself in that in that regard. I, I just thought you you look as you said you looked frustrated because you wanted to do something in the game. Yeah. From 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 the outside looking in, I wouldn't have said you had an attitude problem, but that's that's just me. Mm. Yeah, no, I think my, my dad was first say that you did have your arms up quite a lot. Like you were just throwing your arms up in the air quite a lot, and I knew that myself and. Like I said, if I could do that 65 minutes again, I would have done it a lot differently. So, yeah, I mean, it's just about going on to the next and hopefully my third, fourth, fifth and sixth calf this week and I can, sorry, I can make it um, make it better than, than that second one. Yeah, well, um, you've been compared a lot to Damien Duff. Now, I know from speaking to you previously, like, you prefer to be playing down the middle, so you want to be, I suppose, if you're going to be compared to anyone, as you mentioned earlier, Robbie Keane want to be the person you would want to be emulating or compared to, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'll but be, Duff's, um, Duff's not a bad one either. Nah, I mean, I'll take either of them. I'll take take either of their careers. I'll take half the careers either of them had. Um, obviously, I've seen after the Armenia game, people were saying I'm like, I was like Damien Duff or whatever. And I mean, I was looking at that thinking... It's that's unbelievable, Damien Duff. What like what a player! But then another part of me, like the the striker part of me, thought oh, I don't want to be. I don't want to be known as a left winger. I don't want to be. No, no disrespect, Damien Duff. I don't want to be a Damien Duff. I prefer to be Robbie Keane just purely because I'm a striker. But if if it came down to it that they said right, you're not going to play striker again, I'd happily be the second Damien Duff for the next fifteen years. Um, but no, I definitely. If if there was a comparison that I'd want to be Robbie Keane because of where I like to play, but um, I mean I'd happily do a job on the left. And if with Stephen Kenny, I played a lot on the left. And um, if if that's where I'm I'm gonna play for Ireland, that's where that's where I play for Ireland. I'll happily have people say, oh he's the he's the second Damien Duff then. Well, I just because we're kind of gradually going on to this, but you know Stephen Kenny is gonna be the manager. Well, he is the manager now. Sorry. Um, there was a lot of, you know, will he, won't he, when's it going to happen? It's all done now. Um, but also, we just spoke about Damien Duff. We just spoke uh, Keith Andrews as well. And you spoke about the Armenia game. Now, I know, and I've heard it as well, is that you you get quite angry if you don't score a goal in a game. So the Armenia game, Keith Andrews straight away puts his arm around you. You're coming off fume. And talk me, talk me through kind of your relationship with Keith Andrews. Because all these lads you're going to be working with now, well, uh, sorry, something came up with my phone. All these lads you're going to be working with, um, all going well when uh, the football gets back. So, t- what's your relationship like with Keith Andrews then? Um, and what was what was he saying to you when he consoled you that time coming off the pitch? Uh, my relationship with Keith is brilliant. Like since I've come into the under seventeen setup with Keith, um, when he was uh, one of the coaches for the seventeens. Um, I've just got along with him straight away. He's always 
always looked after me. And then obviously once I made that step through twenty ones, um, there's times where I text Keith and I just say you're around for a chat, and he go yeah meeting room in five minutes and we we chat for half an hour just just me and Keith like just chatting about things and um he's always he's always encouraging me always wanting me to do the right things and I actually met him last about two three weeks ago when we played Wolves away for Brighton and had a chat with him again it's just I think um, Keith's probably one of the people that I'll always like be grateful that they've been part of my like journey so far because of what he's done for me so far and um, yeah he's definitely definitely um, a, a person that I'll be like thankful to ha have had like helping me since I was 16 so um, but once yeah that, that game against Armenia when I when I came off like Hello. <laughs> that game against Armenia, once I came off, um, yeah, he just put an arm around me, said something to me. I can't actually remember what he said, but I know it maybe made me laugh just because he knew that he's come off now, he's he's angry, he hasn't scored. So I'm gonna say something to him to to put a smile on his face, like so once he did that I went over to the bench and was, was happy as Larry again. Yeah, well as 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 I said to you before um, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're one of those strikers who's just hungry for goals and unhappy yeah. that you haven't scored, even if the team have won 6 0. Ruth Van Nistelrooy used to do it. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's times where you have to be, obviously, you'd be happy for the team, but as a striker, you have to have that little selfish, selfish patch in you and you want to score goals. So I think every striker is the same. And uh, I think if they say anything different, they're, they're not telling the truth. Yeah, well, you like you've worked with Stephen Kenny uh, and Mick McCarthy. Kind of, you've worked with Robbie, Damien Duff. These are all unbelievable people to to work under. What's Stephen like as a coach, and what do you, um, without kind of jumping too far ahead, what what do you foresee with the Ireland team with him? Because a lot of people are excited about you know his ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the ideas that Stephen's talking about, and obviously in. In the media and stuff, it's it's not him just saying it. It's that's what we do with the twenty ones. Everything Stephen says, we've we've tried to put into play, and I think you can see that with our first goal against China, for example, and in, in the opening minutes of the seconds, I think of the two arm where we've your goal, yeah. Uh, I think it might have been Zach's one. Oh, sorry, yeah, in off the bar, wasn't it? Yeah, the one that Zach hit off the bar. Yeah, I mean we played around the back a little bit. A little diag out to the left, got down, got the wingers in, and we scored. So, I think everything he, he said and says to us, we try and put into into the games, and it helps a lot when it's just it's constant in training. Like, if we do that move in training, and there's a little bit of it that's not right, we have to do that move again, and we'll do that till it's right, and then that move will go into a game and it'll be perfect. So, um, yeah, I think everyone, all the fans, I think will be excited to see Stephen Kenny come in and. I think they have every reason to be because from working with them this year, it's it's uh, some of the stuff he does and his coaching techniques are are really really good and I think they'll come out in games. Yeah, well, you're one of very few people I think that worked under both Mick and Stephen. I know you enjoyed your time under Mick, but uh, uh, is there much of a difference between the two? Um, I imagine they're two different yeah. like styles and they're two different oh, people, yeah. but like in your own perspective yeah just this i think there's two different styles um obviously steven likes to play like to be fair though in some games with that i played with mick to the games that i played we did play some like good football but um switzerland we did like, yeah yeah switzerland we did um but with steven like even with the 21s everyone feels comfortable getting on the ball and, and like making it taking a risk like with a pass like i think you see malumbi this year like I'm not sure how much you've seen it, Jason, with the 23s, but with Jason with the 23s, he just like holds holds it in midfield, plays it, just literally not saying he's a sideways or backwards player because Jason's passing range is brilliant, but he, he'll get it, play it to someone else, and then they'll play it forward. But with Jason this year, I think Stephen's given him so much freedom to, to get the ball, run with the ball, play forward passes, and uh, he's always encouraging him. If, if he sees Jason playing a backwards pass, it's just like an example of Stephen's technique he won't be happy with that. He'll want him to look forward first. And if that's not, if he can't play into forward, then backwards your last option. So I think that's kind of the difference in their techniques, uh, styles of management, I, I guess. Yeah. 
But and also on that, like you know, the amount of players that are coming through from twenty ones already to work with what we have at the senior level. Do you think that there's many ready to step up like yourself? Because I know Leo Connor, Troy, but this, but in that regard, uh, you know, it's a very encouraging uh, that these players have been called up and capped and stuff like that. Because again, I go back to you, and, and you touched on it yourself when you're kind of going in there. And you were lucky in a sense you had Shane Duffy there. He, as you said, he came into your room and stuff like that. Seamus Coleman was great. But now you'll probably almost have that role when uh, eventually they come through. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that in the years to come, like I can do what, what Shane done for me with other players and stuff like that. And like look after the younger players that come in and hopefully I'll still be in around the Irish setup at that stage and if my career pushes on and stuff. But um, yeah, it's... There's a lot of players in that in the twenty ones group that I think are, are definitely good enough to step up and I think uh there's a lot of examples from what you've seen from the twenty one games. I think everyone in that, that twenty one squad is is capable of playing at a first team level for their club and I don't think it'll be long before you we look back at that Armenia game and say, Jeez, there's there's thirteen of that squad that are, have made their international debut since since that game. I wouldn't be surprised because it it is a really good squad and there's a lot of a lot of talent in it. And I suppose it goes to show the great work that's being uh, done at underage level as well, from from Jason or Jason Dunahoo all the way up. Yeah, it does. Um, I played, but like I've actually been been coached by Jason when he was uh, a coach for Colin O'Brien on the 15s, and it just shows like there's a lot of work going into the underage setup and that, and I think it's starting to like come true now, and um, it's starting to show with the players that are making their debuts and the youngsters that are coming through and that. So I think it is exciting times. Yeah, well, the last question for me in terms of my questions before we get the fans ones is just what was the best advice you've been given as a pro? Um, best advice I've been given as a pro? Um, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head. I just know my parents have so many bits of advice. I don't think I've got one. Sort it doesn't have to be advice. specifically one, but... Yeah. Whatever you you think is is the best just, in your just working hard really just that's that's what I've always believed in just working hard and if like um yeah if you just work hard the the rewards should come and probably will come but if if you take your foot off the off the pedal for even a little bit someone will overtake you and they they'll take your spot it's just like that in football so I think just hard work's just the way the way forward for everybody in the game. And is that what keeps your, your, your feet on the ground? I know you spoke earlier about, you know, looking through your name and everyone going, Aaron Connolly is God, for example. Um, how, is that how you kind of keep your feet on the ground? Then that kind of, you go back to this, the hard work that got me there. I can't, I can't take a break now. I got to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's just like my parents are, my parents have always tried to keep my feet on the ground. So it's not that hard to do because they're just like, my dad, after the Spurs game, I remember we were setting the setting the restaurant and that, and he was like, he had his little ten fifteen minutes of like, what, well, what just happened? Then he goes, right, we want that again next week, or we want that again. You want this feeling again, so don't let don't let your standards drop, and don't think you've made it now because you you, you definitely haven't. You can look back and say you've made it once you've made two hundred senior appearances. So that's the only time where. I'll think, look back at my career and say, yeah, I've had a, I've had a good career once I hit two, three hundred senior appearances. Yeah, well, it's always good to have that there, that kind of good foundation and infrastructure keeping you grounded. Just, a lot of people get away from it, you know, so it's great that he still takes very much an interest in it and kind of keeps your feet on the ground. Yeah, it is really good, yeah. Right, well, just uh, you've been very gracious with your time as well, so thank you very much for that. That's all right, no worries. Um, I'm just going to get a couple of the fans' questions up for you now. Um, I suppose we'll go with the first one from uh, your old teammate and one of your great pals, Dan Mandreo. Yeah. Um, so, What would be your thoughts on some dairy lay dunkers? <laughs> oh, see, some of that, that's the sort of stuff that made me laugh about, like, just Dano and Jason when you mentioned them. Um, Derry Lee Dunker so I'll tell you that story about that was we've got like we had a table me uh, Dano 
uh, Desi and one of the Manchester boys uh, for the 23s for away trips. And that was our little table with the four on the table um, on the bus. And we always used to stop at um, one of the service stations on the way up. It was a long trip. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I th- it's all right to say, like, there's nothing bad about it. But me and Dano used to stop in. We used to get a pack, like, a f- big four pack of dirty dunkers. We'd probably get two of them between us. Like, we'd have, we'd have eight of them the whole way up on the trip. <laughs> it was a competition to see who could get the smelliest fart out of them. So, um,. <laughs> <laughs> so Desi and uh, Ben Barkley was the other boy that was on the table so we'd eat that whole pack who could get the smelliest fart out of them Desi and Ben would be there they'd be gagging like and me and Dan would be in bits for ages and we we just couldn't wait for the away trips just purely for the dirty dunkers and that's that's where that, that question's come from <laughs> I, when, I, when I received the message that was the last thing probably I was thinking that there was that yeah, story was going to end up like <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's, he's funny, I knew we'd ask that question as well. <laughs> and a serious head in them in the in the video as well. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um all right, just get the other one now, hang on. Um so I think this lad he had your jersey, didn't he? Hi Aaron, my name's Rory and I'm from Galway, but I moved to America a few years ago. I bought this after the Spurs game. My question is, who's the toughest defender you've come up against this year? Good. It is a good jersey, to be fair. I didn't expect an American to get a get a Brighton a Conley forty four jersey over there, but uh, no. You got it after the Spurs game. After the Spurs game. Yeah. Uh, that's fair enough. Then uh, that's probably no one had probably heard of me before that. Um, but no, the toughest toughest defender I played against is it's quite an easy one, and obviously. In my head, thinking of an Irish one, John Egan comes into it because I played against uh, John this year with uh, for a brief, I think it was like 15 minutes I came on. And he's tough even watching him playing against Glenn Murray and Neil Mopai. He's proper, proper good defender than me. But uh, it's, it's an easy one, isn't it, Virgil van Dijk? It's 100%. I don't think there's a better one out there. Um, he's just, he's quick. He's strong. He's he's everything you want in a defender, I think. Um but he's definitely the best one, no doubt. Uh, without a doubt, best best defender, probably best player I've played against this this season. All right. Well, John Egan, I'm sure will be delighted with that as well. What a what a guy! What a great man! Yeah. Um. Right. So this lad, hang on. Hey, Aaron. I was just wondering, who's your footballing ideal growing up, and hopefully get to see more of you in Ireland team soon. Cheers. Yeah, Thierry Henry, hundred percent. I've said that quite a few times throughout. Um, he was my football idol all the way up until 2009, as I said. Um, I obviously took a year of disliking him after that, um, but he'll he'll always be my idol. He'll be always be the one I looked up to, and also as well when when Henri did did eventually retire and stuff like that, um, it was Fernando Torres. Like Fernando Torres when he was at Liverpool, was class. One I used to always look back on his videos and just think, how has he done some of that? Like one, I can remember one of his goals against United when he held off Ferdinand and smacked in the top corner. I was thinking, how is he holding off Rio Ferdinand like that? I'm pretty sure it was Rio Ferdinand, anyways. So uh, yeah, him or Vidic? I think Vidic was the one where he, he knocked him off ball, but I think there was one at Anfield where he was holding Ferdinand off and he smacked it near post top corner. Um, so that was definitely yeah, them two, hundred percent. That's not too. Uh... Two very good ones as well. Um, there's one more. Uh, this lad asks. Well, Aaron, how's it going? I just want to know if you uh, pick Brighton and Ireland and FIFA so you can use yourself all the time. And uh, do you buy yourself in career mode? Could you hear all that? Yeah, I heard all that. Yeah, um, I'm actually in the middle of a, a career mode at the minute with Sunderland because um, I like starting off in like League Two or League One to try and get get up to the up the uh, divisions and that and get promoted and stuff. So, You've been watching Sunderland till I die. Yeah, been watching that as well. Watch that. And it was actually after that I thought, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, pick Sunderland in this career mode. So, yeah, I did. Uh, I do play FIFA, obviously, a lot. Uh, always by myself, whatever team. I uh, I go, I pick, uh, always by myself. And 
I'd probably spend the whole transfer budget on myself. Even though I'd probably cost about one million on the game, I'll spend eleven million if I have to. Like, <laughs> um, that's always something I do. I'll just bang, bang the transfer budget straight on trying to get myself in there, and then during the season, I'll if if one player's one on one, I'll I'll try and look for where my player is to to get him the top score and stuff like that. So, yeah, hundred percent, always by myself. Whatever career mode I'm in, I'll definitely buy myself. Well, that, that's interesting enough. I actually was like, I thought, actually thought you were going to say no. Nah, I always do. I always do. Uh, no, Hamid, did you see that I won the Euros with Ireland on Road to Glory? No, I didn't see that actually, no. Well, you must go and check it out. It's on our YouTube channel, but uh, yeah. I shouldn't have told you we won it. <laughs> I'll have but a yeah, it was good. That's good then, I yeah. play. What, what, what difficulty do you play on? I try legendary, but I usually got out of world class. Cause I well, I won the Euros on world, on world class. See, I struggle on world class. I think I finished fifth with Sunderland in my first season. I must give you a game sometime. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'll be up for that. Well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll text you my, uh, my, my gamer tag. Well, Aaron, I just want to say a huge thanks for your time. You spent over an hour and it's I've enjoyed every minute of it. So you want to say a huge thanks for coming on. Cheers, thanks million. Cheers, thanks for that. Um, yeah, really good. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. No, but uh, guys, uh, don't forget to like the video, don't forget to subscribe, and let us know your thoughts in the comments as always. What a guest! Irish Football Fan TV is now available on all podcast platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every other place where you get your podcasts. Check out the link in the description for more.